right, my friends. I'm not about to say what else could get thrown at us. I'm just not going to go there. Um, let's just start with the word of prayer. Um, the, the face that you might not have known and the voice that you might not have known was one of We have eight interns this summer, and Carlos is from Mexico City. And I want you to imagine he came to college here and went to college in a different language. All right, just ponder that. And uh, just an amazing young man wants to be uh, a servant in the church. He's not sure exactly how. He's gifted musically. He's gifted as, as a teacher. Uh, we'll see what God wants to do with him. But uh, anyway, you can, if you see him around, you can pat him on the back. And, and uh, just one of our great young people here. So let's pray together. Father, I thank you for uh, all the young people here at the church, high school, college, young adults. Um, I'm grateful for their leadership, the passion that's coming up. And Father, tonight we call out to you. Um, today we call out to you. There are people watching who knows when. Uh, people are fearful because of storms, fearful because of disease, fearful because of life. And yet you are sovereign. And I think of the passage in Psalm 2.8 where it says, When the nations rage against you, O God, you laugh because you are firmly, firmly established on your throne. So would you bring peace to people who are hurting, whether they're watching online or they're here in person, Palm Bay, to land, whether they're in their car, that you, your spirit would just bring a sense of calm and peace that you would speak to us specifically tonight. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Well, let's just have a little fun before we get started. This might be the first time in human history that we have been under both a mandatory stay-at-home and a mandatory evacuation at the same time. All right. Give that some thought. All right. Give that some thought. I don't know, I don't know what you do with that. I don't know what to do with that. I want to give you... I'm just going to go. All right. I got some things to say. You buckle in. You take what you want. Uh, they say, eat the meat, throw out the bones, right? Uh, Acts chapter 4, I never thought I would need this verse, but when the disciples were preaching the gospel and they were arrested and they were put in prison and they were beaten and they were told not to preach the gospel anymore, and the disciples said, we have to decide whether we should make you happy or make God happy. For us, that seems like a pretty simple choice. See, once you've seen your God raised from the dead, there's not much going to hold you back. And so that's what we're going to talk about today is the church being focused on what we were called to do, the purpose that we have. The mistake we've made is thinking that we've ever been popular. If we were, that's probably what made us weak. They've been burning us at the stake for 2,000 years, guys. Our job is to be strong enough and faithful enough to carry out the mission for which God has put each of us here. All right. Are you ready for that? We're going to be in Hebrews 3. All right. We're going to talk about how to avoid the cardiologist. That's what we're going to, that's what we're going to take a look at tonight. So you can get your Bibles ready for Hebrews 3. But I was with my, my wife and my mother-in-law yesterday. My mother-in-law lives in Sun City Center. She said, if you're going to tell a joke about me, just make sure you get my name right. So Mary Lou Anderson, this is for you. She'd be proud, wouldn't she? She's nine, 92 years old. And uh, going strong, we bought her a new Bible, the, uh, the print. There's about two words per page. Uh, but uh, we, we sat there yesterday, and she read the text that I'm going to preach to you tonight. Um, so uh, anyway, we were, we were just talking, and I told her, I said, you know, I'm, I'm still a little upset about some of the people that were hoarding the toilet paper months ago. I've not gotten over it. 
Don't, I don't forget things, all right? It's, it's back here. But now, uh, you see the new thing? It's, it's paper towels. You see that? Now you can't find paper towels. I go to three different stores today to find paper towels. I guess you could call me a bounty hunter. My mother-in-law asked for another paper towel at the table yesterday. I said, I said, Mom, what do you think? They grow on trees? <laughs> All right, one more because it's going to get real intense in this room in just a little bit, okay? Uh, I don't know if you saw this because the coronavirus finally, Finland closed down all of its borders. Nobody in, nobody out. First time ever people have never been able, no one can finish, cross the finish line. <laughs> you know, there's a lot of things that can go wrong. Some of you just got there? Okay. Um, some of you just woke up. You're watching online. You just woke up. Rewind it. You missed a lot of good stuff. Um, you could have a lot of things go wrong with you, and several of you here in the room, you've had that happen. Your body, our bodies are falling apart. It, your lungs can go bad, you can lose a toe, you, you can have brain surgery, you can have, you can have all kinds of body parts go wrong. They can take pieces and parts out of you. A lot of you sitting here don't have a lot of the original manufacturer warranted parts. But the one thing you gotta have is a heart. If they can take everything else out and you'll still work, most everything. But when the heart goes, and that's, it's so ridiculous when it comes to the, the, the issue of life and abortion. When do they declare you dead? When your heart stops beating. Hmm. Wonder when you're alive. It's all about the heart. Scripture tells us that all through the Bible. It talks about the fact that the, the life of man is in the blood. Look it up. The life of man is in the blood, and Jesus came ultimately to die for us, to give his blood as a sacrifice for us, the pure and perfect sacrifice. So the passage in Hebrews 3, I've got to set it up for you because it's going to make no sense. The story happens in the book of Numbers. It's recorded in Psalm 95, and we're going to talk about it in Hebrews 3. So it's in three specific places in the Bible. That's how important it is. And you're going to see, even when I read it, he says some things two and three times in one paragraph. Now, if you're speaking to Hebrew people and you want to emphasize something, remember, in Hebrew, there are no punctuation. There's no such thing as an exclamation point. So if you want to make your point to, in Hebrew, what do you do? You say it over and over and over. All right, so you're going to see you're going to you see the story that way. So the Israelites come out of Egypt. God has delivered them. You know the story about the ten plagues. You know about the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. They walk across. They're 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 now on the border of the Promised Land. All right, we're in the Book of Numbers. We're ready to go into the promised land. Everything that God has offered, He said, send in some people to check out how awesome the land is. And they came back, and there were guys carrying grapes. The grapes were so big, it took two men with a pole to carry the grapes. That's the kind of produce that was in the land. But do you remember what they came home with? Instead of They, they didn't come home with the grapes. Anybody remember what, they, what their opinion was? 
There are giants in the land. We can't do this. Well, there were giants in the land. We don't have time to go into that. There were a couple of guys there that were 12 feet tall. We'll, that's a whole other sermon for a whole other time. Uh, but we know where their kingdoms were. We found them archaeologically. Uh, but that, we have no time for that. So, so they come back and 10 spies said, no chance, no way, can't be done. Joshua and Caleb said, that land is good. We need to go get it. Because God said, the houses are yours. The land's yours. The produce is yours. It's all yours. Just go get it. And ten of them came back crying like little children. And all the people rallied to the ten. And God gets very, very angry. He says, after the ten plagues, after the, all the stuff I did in Egypt, after the Red Sea, after providing for you in the wilderness, after all of this, I bring you home and you're ready to go into the promised land and you snivel and whine and won't go in. Do you know what the judgment was? The whole generation died. Forty years in the wilderness. They spent forty years wandering around in the sand in Jordan the entire generation will die until the people that were under 18 grow up and then God brings them back to the same spot, this time under Joshua, and Joshua sends the spies in and they said, we need to go take the land. And that's where you get the story of Jericho and we start getting through that. Okay, but that's the backdrop where God's people have been, have been shown all the miracles and they reject God out of hand. And that's when God got angry. That's Hebrews 3. Let's stand. Here we go. Hebrews 3, beginning in verse 7. Again, this is all a quote from Psalm 95. <clears throat> so as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion during the time of testing in the wilderness, where your ancestors tested and tried me, though for 40 years they saw what I did. That is why I was angry with that generation. I said, their hearts are always going astray, and they have not known my ways. So I declared on oath in my anger, in God's anger, they shall never enter my rest. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily as long as it is called today. Can I point out, there's going to be a time coming when it won't be called today anymore. That, that chapter will end. So that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the very end. And as just has been said, I, I just read this. Here it is again. Today... If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as you did in the rebellion. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those that Moses led out of Egypt? And with him was he angry for 40 years. Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies perished in the wilderness? And to whom did God swear that he would never enter his rest? To those who disobeyed. So we see... That they were not able to enter. Why? Because of their unbelief. You can be seated. Because of their unbelief. Well, what do you mean their unbelief? They've gotten this far. Yeah, but when it really came time to live it, they all folded. They all folded like a cheap deck of cards. They all 
gave up. They saw, they, they saw the giants. They saw, they saw them, their own humanity. They saw everything except God that they so desperately needed. Listen, you can live without a lot of parts of your body, but if your heart goes, you go. And when your arteries get hard, the blood doesn't flow right. When the blood doesn't flow right, you don't get oxygen to your brain. Your brain doesn't work right. And pretty, pretty soon you're not making good decisions at all. So the warning is to guard your heart. Don't let your heart get hard. It's Proverbs 4. That was the verse that was read earlier in the worship service. Proverbs 4.23, above everything else, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Because they can take my leg and I can still live, but if they take my heart, I'm gone. Above everything else, guard your heart. Jeremiah 17.9 says, the heart is above all things, what? Deceitfully wicked. Well, I just have to kind of look inside myself and feel what's right. Listen, just a few highlights, right? We got people burning Bibles in Portland. This is America, right? They're burning Bibles. You know what? this, This is interesting to me. Okay? I'm intolerant. They're the tolerant ones. Burning the Bible. I just wanted to put that out there. And here's my deal. If you're so, so strong, why don't you try burning Korans? See, there's a reason. Because we're the people that are still loving them. We're the people that are still feeding them. That, that's the deal. You can't let your heart get hard. You can be angry, but you can't let your heart get hard. We've got child traffic and stuff going on. We've got abortion off the chart like never before. We've got, we've got child abuse. We've got spousal abuse. You name it, it's going on. And it's real easy to get hard-hearted. Church, listen to me. Watching online, listen to me, church. We were made for this. We're not meant to sit in a choir loft and sing hymns to one another while wearing robes. That, that's what we've made, church, but that's not what the church of Jesus was made to be. We are meant to be people who are changing lives, standing in the gap for people, helping broken people, praying for people. That's what the church does. So don't be caught off guard by this and, oh my gosh, look at all this that might happen. You know what? So what? So what? Peter and John left the jail in Acts 4. Does anybody remember what they said after they'd whipped them and beat them? Anybody? They said, we rejoice that we got to suffer for the name of Jesus. It's the last time you heard a sermon on that. We rejoice that we got to suffer with Jesus. Listen, the world has lost its mind. But you know what? Proverbs said that. When you lose your vision of God, everything else goes. So we ran God out of America, what, 1960s? Before I was born. We ran God out of here. Seriously, I was born in 63. I don't care how old I look. That decision was made before I was born, but they took God out of the schools, prayer out of the schools. Now we're, we're left with what we see going on in our culture, and we're surprised. I don't think we're surprised. It's the natural product of what happens when people have no hope, no purpose, no reason to live, no God above, and they've been told all their life, you are the only thing that matters. There's nothing above you. You know why Jewish people wear yarmulkes? Anybody? It's a constant reminder, there's a God above me. That's why you'll always see Ben Shapiro, you'll always see him wearing his yarmulke. It is a constant reminder that no matter where they are, there is a supreme one over me. 
But you, you live in a culture where people no longer have that. Now, I want to show you what Ephesians says. Paul wrote this. It says, They have become darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them due to the hardening of their hearts. See, once you've written Jesus off and you've written God off, what's left? And what's wrong? Why can't I abuse children? Why can't I kill a baby? Why can't you pick whatever story you want? Why can't I punch somebody in the face? Why can't I shoot something? Why can't I do whatever? Because if there is no moral foundation, then anything goes. Welcome to our world. What we need is a revival. And here's the deal. Here's what God says. You, you cannot get... You cannot go in and get a spiritual valve replaced in your heart. It doesn't work that way. Ezekiel said this. This is 36, 26. Am I right? There we go. He said, God said, I'll give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will remove, remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Now, I'm assuming that most of you here are believers. If you're not, you need to accept Jesus. We'll give you that opportunity. If you're watching online, you need to accept Jesus. We'll, we'll help you with that. Push that button. It says, choose Jesus. Um, we'll, we'll help you any way we can in the process. But for most of us, the, well, our trick is not to grow hard while we're fighting the battles. Because they're real. Yeah, they are. They're burning Bibles. They're, they're, they're killing children. I had a friend in Chicago, and I text him every Monday morning, and I'm like, what, what has happened to us? And, you know, he'll tell me kind of what the recap is. But it's not just Chicago. It's everywhere. It's the, it's the culture that we live in. Because when you devalue the life of an unborn child, then no life matters, my friends. Now, your life doesn't mean anything. If that baby's life doesn't matter, neither does yours. And welcome to the world that that has created. Where anything goes. And it is. But you can't just go in and say, you know what, God, would you just, could you just tweak this? Maybe we can, maybe we could just do angioplasty. I really don't want to go all the way. And God's like, no, we've got to do a heart transplant. We've got to take out the rock hard one, and we've got to give you a heart of flesh. You know why? Because the reason we're still sitting here, the reason you're still watching, is because our purpose is not done. We're here to help somebody find Jesus. We're here to rescue a child from, from sex trafficking. We are here to feed a child who would starve otherwise. We are here to impact our world. And at whatever price that means to us, so be it. All right? That's what the church has been called to be. But he said, and I think it's interesting, it's, it's here I think it's three times in this passage. It says, as the Spirit of God says, if you hear the Word of God. Well, we heard it, but I wonder if we heard it. You know, I've said this for a long time. I, I measure if my children heard me, not by whether they tell me if they heard me, but by whether they, if they do what I ask them to do. Did you hear me take, say, take out the trash? Yeah, I heard you. That wasn't the information I was looking for. I wanted to see the trash moving. All right? Anybody with me? All right? You're not your children. It's just preacher's kids. It's, it's a... Today, if you hear God's voice. Do you know in Amos chapter 8, verse 11, the prophet said the day's coming when there will be a famine and you'd give anything for it to be a famine of food. You'd give anything to be starving to death. 
but there will be a famine for hearing the word of God. And when the word of God is taken out of a culture, my friends, you've got nothing left. And when the word of God's taken out of the world, which will ultimately happen when the church is raptured, you, you've got nothing. So today, as long as it's called today, because if you die tomorrow, you won't, it won't be called today for you. Today is going to end. He said, as long as you have today and you have the word of God, listen to it. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, being tempted by Satan. What did he say? Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. We better know. Listen, just sit down and open your Bible. Quit. I, 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 don't, I don't care how you do it. I quit trying to teach you how to do it. I, don't, I quit trying to teach me how to do it. Just sit down and let the book fall open. Read it. Turn a page. Read it. You probably got something underlined. Read it. Memorize something. Get it into your life. Because the key to not having a hard heart is knowing the Word of God. If today you hear the Word of God, pay attention. Because there's no doubt that the Israelites heard the Word of God. They saw the Word of God. Did they not? I didn't get to see the Red Sea open up. I didn't get to walk across there. I didn't get to be a part of that. I look back at the resurrection of Jesus. I didn't get to physically see Him come out of the grave. But because of those miracles, I have the Word of God. And because of that truth, you and I are called to observe what the Word says. We're invited. And we don't do this as much anymore because we're, I don't know, it's an informal culture. But you used to get things like this in the mail quite often. Maybe you got them for graduation or for a wedding or something. And it says RSVP and nobody knows what it means, so nobody does it, I guess. Um, that's what this verse says. God has invited you. God's invited me to hear his word. But if you harden your heart, and you know what happened? I can tell you what happens to most, well, according to statistics, 72% of Christians in America do not believe in the Bible. You know why? Because it challenges them. You don't get to decide if same-sex marriage is God's will or not. You don't, get the, you don't get that. You don't get to vote on whether abortion's right or not. The Bible's real clear about where we stand on moral issues, where we stand on life, what, what God's words about any topic, whatever it is. And as soon as God's word goes counter to something that you believe, you throw God's word aside. Welcome to American Christianity. You want to see a picture of it? Go look at Europe. Take a look at what happened to England and Scotland and France and Spain. They're about 50 years ahead of us. Churches are empty. Because somewhere along the line, we quit listening to the word of God. The hearts got hard. There was nobody loving people anymore, nobody telling people about Jesus, nobody willing to stand. Everybody started caving. And once that happens, there's nobody left to stand for anything or anyone. Matthew 24, Jesus said, Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So the only two things that are going to go from this world into eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever, your soul, our souls, and God's Word. That's it. Nothing else is going. So you better make sure those two things are right. I better know what the Word says, and I better have my soul right with God. And then he says, whatever you do, don't rebel. Don't rebel. Boy, this is a tough one for me. 
There was a headline in the paper the other day. These, these things get me. It, it said, um, it, it said the headline was, why your car gets stuck in the sand at the beach. Do we have the picture? Yeah, there we go. This is the actual picture. This, is, this was on the, the front of the local page in the news journal. I opted not to read that article. And I said to myself, car heavy, sand soft. But somebody wrote an entire article about that, and some guy took a picture so we would know why your car gets stuck in the sand. You want to know why Christians get stuck? Because you don't know the Word. And then if you do know the Word, we're, we're all inclined to rebel. Every one of us. Every one of us at the core of us, and we already talked about that. Jeremiah said, my heart's wicked. So the core of Joe is to rebel against God. I have to go counter to Joe's own desires to follow God. Because Joe's desires to sin. Your desires to sin. To follow God, it's a choice. To accept Jesus, it's a choice. To obey God's word, it's a choice. To be baptized, it's a choice. Sponsor a kid, it's a choice. To stand for pro-life, it's a choice. To stand for marriage, it's a choice. To hold your Bible high and say, I am a Christian. It's a choice. It's a choice. First Samuel fifteen twenty three. You may not again. Our culture is so corrupt and so perverted. This may not even bother you. But the worst thing you could be called in Israel is a witch, because a witch is someone who worships Satan straight up. Listen to what God said to Samuel. He said, "Rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft." And arrogance like the evil of idolatry. When we turn our backs on the Word of God, we let our hearts get hard. He said, it is the same as you worshiping a witch. That's fairly direct, wouldn't you say? But we live in such a perverted world. And again, what, what are we taught? What are, if, you, if you watch what's going on... We're being taught that what's happening on the streets of America is a spiritual event. If you don't believe me, read the paper today. It's, it's actually the church taking place on the street. The church is burning things down. The church is shooting people. It's not what the church does. It may look like a gathering of people, but that doesn't mean it's the church. The church feeds hungry people. The, ch the church rescues broken children. The church helps people with their marriages. There's a big difference between the two. Just the fact that there's a gathering of people does not make it a church. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Today, if you hear the Word of God, listen to the Word of God. Don't harden your heart and don't fall into rebellion. I'm going to read this to you. It was online. Don't know who wrote it, but I've been saving this. Two babies in the womb having a debate about the facts of faith. Nonsense, said the first. There is no life after delivery. In a mother's womb were two babies. The first baby asked the other, Do you believe in life after delivery? The second baby replied, Why, of course, there has to be something after delivery. Maybe we are here to prepare ourselves for what we will be later. Nonsense. There's no life after delivery. What would that life be? I don't know. But there will be more light than here. Maybe we'll walk with our legs and eat from our mouths. The doubting baby laughed. This is absurd. Walking is impossible. 
and eat with our mouths? Ridiculous. The umbilical cord supplies nutrition. Life after delivery is to be excluded. The umbilical cord is too short. The second baby held his ground. I think there is something, and maybe it's different than it is here. The first baby replied, no one has ever come back from there. Delivery is the end of life, and in the after delivery, it is nothing but darkness and anxiety, and it takes us nowhere. Well, I don't know, said the twin, but certainly we will see mother, and she will take care of us. Mother, the first baby guffawed, you believe in a mother? Where is she now? The second baby calmly and patiently tried to explain, she's all around us. It is in her that we live. Without her, there would not be this world. Ha! I don't see mother, so it's logical that she doesn't exist. To which the mother, to which the other replied, Sometimes when you're in silence and you can hear her, you can perceive her. I believe there is a reality after delivery, and we are here to prepare ourselves for that reality when it comes. Interesting thought. What else have I got to talk about? Is that enough? There's a guy in Thailand, his name is Sai, all right? Being a, a, a fan of the guys uh, from Louisiana, I think that's funny. But here's a picture of Sai. Sai's 112 years old. They, actually, they have his birth documents. We can prove it. Here's why I have Sai on the screen today. Sai accepted Jesus last week as his Lord and Savior. 112 years old. Now, here's my bet. My bet is none of you make it to 112. So you, you need to make your decision quicker than that. Was God gracious to sigh? I would say more than gracious. And I have sat with people that, who are in their 90s, and I've said, dude, you're running out of time. I have said that to people. But 112? Man, the flock's up. It's a, you're done. All right, let's, let's get you in the water before you, before you get another breath. But he made it. And some of you are here, and because of all that's going on in the world, you're scared. But you're so scared, you're afraid to grab a hold of the one thing that truly is lasting. And that is what Jesus did for you on the cross. You want to avoid the cardiologist? Don't harden your heart. Don't let the world beat you up to the point where you become hard. Keep listening to the Word of God and don't rebel. Which means don't listen to yourself. Listen to God. Father, I pray that as we finish, whoever's watching online, whether they're watching on Sunday or they're watching a week from now, those who are just getting up out of bed, people are dealing with every possible pressure right now. God, I pray that we'd all remember this is what we were made for, that this can be the church's greatest hour. So, Father, give us the courage to dig deep in our souls, to hide your word deeply inside our hearts and our minds so that we are prepared for whatever this world throws at us. In Jesus' name, God's people said.